This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. We're launching a new series that we're going to be in for the next couple of weeks. And uh, it's, we're calling it Guardrails. And essentially, it is a series about boundaries. And uh, we're using the imagery of guardrails because it's something that's common. It's something everybody kind of understands what it is and what its function is. And so we're going to be carrying that theme throughout the entire series. But a guardrail is essentially a system that is designed to keep vehicles from traveling into unsafe or dangerous territories, right? It's like these, those steel bars down the side of the road, or you have the medians, and they're usually a dividing line between what's okay and what's not okay, right? They sort of set that boundary for us. And so we typically see uh, guardrails in three major areas when, when you're driving and, and traveling and all of this. We see guardrails predominantly around uh, bridges, we see guardrails around massive like curves, and then we see guardrails more frequently as medians, right? On bridges, you got these like steel bars running down the side of you because there's very little margin for error on a bridge, right? You, you, you go over about three or four feet out of your lane and you're gonna be swimming with the fishies real quick, right? And so there's very little margin for error there, so they put these big giant beams and poles and everything in there to make sure that we don't, you know, fall off the bridge. Or uh, around curves, typically, you know, when, um, when I was younger, I, I traveled with some people in a van pulling a trailer, and the oldest one of us, I think, was like 23. And so it was a very dangerous situation. And we're driving this thing through, like, the mountains of Colorado and all this. And w- I, have any of you ever been through the mountains of Colorado? I mean, it's just like the movies. They're not making that stuff up. Like, you look over and you're like, dang. That's a far way down there, right? And so they got these guardrails there sometimes. They have guard, when they don't, you're like, you're like white knuckling like crazy. They got these guardrails there because, again, there's little room for error. And the idea is it would be better for you to crash into this little guardrail and have a little crash than to go off of the road completely and have a huge crash. That's, that's detrimental and there's devastation and destruction and all this stuff. And then I guess a more common guardrail that we see at least, you know, here in Madison Heights and in Michigan in the middle of the expressway are the medians, right? Those big giant concrete blocks that separate the traffic that's going this way and that way, right? Because they don't want those two to cross paths because, again, that would be awful. That would be terrible. And so the idea, the concept behind it is I guess it would be better for you to crash into, like, the little concrete brick on the side of the road than to crash into oncoming traffic and there be just total devastation and and just all this terrible stuff, right? Because theoretically, if you're thinking about it, we could drive where the guardrails are, right? Like when you're on a bridge and there's guardrails, they're not floating in the middle of the air. There's still a little bit of road there that you could could drive on. Would you agree? Or going off the side of the mountain. They're not like suspended out in the air that that's the guardrail. No, the guardrails are still in the safe zone. They're still in a place where we could technically go and we would be okay but you're getting dangerously close to being really, really not okay really, really fast, right? That's the kind of concept 
behind these guardrails. It's better to have a little crash into a guardrail than a huge crash off the side of a mountain or the side of a road or into oncoming traffic or whatever. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at a couple of different um, topics, a couple of different areas in life that, that, that we believe here at Central that we should establish some, some pretty definitive guardrails. Uh, we're going to discuss guardrails not only in our driving, but how it affects many of the different areas in our life. Because the reality is this, some of the greatest regrets that we have in life, some of the greatest mistakes, some of the greatest things that we look back on and say, man, that is such a bummer. Whether it be relationally, whether it be financially, or ethically, morally, professionally, Whatever it is, some of our greatest regrets in life could have been avoided. Some of the things we look back on and say, man, I really hate that that happened in my life. Many times, those things could have been avoided if there were proper guardrails and boundaries in place. And so rather than us getting to the other side of the crash, we're thinking, hey, let's be proactive in this, right? Let's establish some boundaries and some guardrails on the front end of things so we don't get to the other side and look back and say, man, if only I would have had this set up. Or man, if only I would have thought about that. Or man, if I would only have approached that in a different way. And so we're going to talk about these guardrails as an idea that a guardrail is a standard of behavior. Okay? It's like drawing a line in the sand. It's saying, this is the standard. This is the wall. This is the boundary. This is the dividing line between what's okay and what's not okay. We're going to establish some of these in our life, but here's the deal. These guardrails, they're going to be personal. They're going to be case sensitive. They're not these like principles or laws that are one size fits all. It's not, hey, listen, on Tuesdays, everybody needs to wear red, and that's going to make your day better. Right? That's not the way this works. It's not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. It's like, listen, where is this in your life? Where is this with your job? Where's the boundaries in your job, in your position at your job? Right? Because there's different levels of clearance, different levels of responsibility, different levels of all that. In relationships, where are the boundaries within your relationship with your friends? Some friends are going to have stricter and tighter boundaries than other friends. Where are the boundaries and guardrails in our uh, you know, intimate relationships, and our dating relationships are going to have different boundaries than our engagement relationships that are going to have different boundaries than our marriage relationships? But where are the boundaries in all of those? And so it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's something that we're going to have to kind of adapt and take to our own lives and our own situations. And so we're going to have a working definition for guardrails through this series. It's going to travel through all the weeks and all the different topics that we talk about. And so it's going to come up on the screen, and it's this. It's, our definition is going to be a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. A personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. And so as we talk about relationships, as we talk about how we spend our time, as we talk about money, as we talk about these different facets of life, I want us to establish a personal standard of behavior that's going to become a guardrail. That's going to say, you know what? This is as far as I want to go with giving my time out to other people. This is as far as I want to go in this relationship or that relationship. This is as far as I want to go financially. Because right on the other side of this could be potential devastation and destruction and disaster. And so it's going to be a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. It becomes something that we know is there. It becomes something that's so normal to us that when we get up close to that line 
And we get close to that standard of behavior, the way that it becomes a matter of conscience is that it begins to feel like, uh-oh, I'm getting close to something that I've already established. And when we begin to bump up against it, it's almost as if our conscience steps up and says, whoa, 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 wait a second, so pump the brakes, right? Slow down. You know that you're heading towards the danger zone. You need to chill out. Because we've been preemptive about this and proactive and established boundaries in the first place. And so we're going to look at a passage in Ephesians chapter 5 today uh, where Paul sort of begins to establish boundaries and throws out this idea. And so uh, I'm going to pray, and then we'll open God's word and allow it to uh, speak truth to us this morning. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the time that we get to spend out in the lobby, hanging out, eating donuts, uh, you know, making fun of the Green Bay Packers, all that stuff. God, thank you for the time we get to spend worshiping together. You know, seeking you, glorifying you, responding to who you are. And God, thank you for the time we get to spend looking at your word and allowing it to speak truth and life and encouragement and challenge to us. God, I pray today that you would, that you would soften our hearts and open our minds, that you'd make us receptive, that you'd make us the good soil, that when seeds are cast, it would take root and bear fruit in our life. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 5, if you have it on a phone or a tablet or an app or whatever. If not, it'll be up on the screen. Uh, but we're going to look at like three or four verses that sort of um, give us an example of guardrails that I feel like Paul is sending to the church in Ephesus saying, listen guys, this is what I'm talking about. This is kind of how you need to set up things in multiple areas of your life. But let me give you a little bit of backstory first on Ephesians chapter 5. So the dude writing this, Paul, is writing to a church in Ephesus, which is essentially just a place, and Paul is a church planter, right? He's this guy that's like, hey, uh, let me tell you about Jesus and how you need to live a life following Jesus. Here's how you need to conduct yourselves. Here's how you have a good relationship with God. And so essentially he's writing these people and he knows these people, he's met these people, he's preached to these people, whatever. And so they're kind of, there's this line of communication going back and forth. He hears what they're doing. He hears what they're struggling with. He hears what's going on in that region and what's going on around them in the culture. And so when he's writing, he's addressing those things, you know? He's like, it's like if I were to, like, uh, I don't know, move to Florida or whatever, and then I hear back through the grapevine things that are happening here at Central. I write back and I'm like, hey guys, so I hear that this is going on there. And I don't really think that that lines up with what Jesus is saying here. So here's some ideas of maybe ways that you could improve. Here's some ideas of maybe ways that you could handle this and, and roll with this. But again, this is first century. There's no Facebook or social media or anything like that. There's not even like Bibles for everyone to have. It's like, it's a lot of spoken word and, and oral teaching. And so Paul has to instruct them consistently on what they need to do and how they need to do it, right? And so that's what's happening here in Ephesians chapter 5. Now Ephesus was like crazy and corrupt and immoral and there was all this stuff going on around them. And so Paul kind of lays out in Ephesians some ideas of like, guys, listen, here's some stuff that you need to stay away from. Other cultures, other religions are saying, yeah, this is totally cool, you're, you're, they're down, whatever. But he's saying, as a Christ follower, listen, there's some things that you need to stay away from. There's some boundaries that you need to set. There's some guardrails that you need to sort of uphold in your life. And so in Ephesians, Paul is writing them, and one of the things he tells them is that they need to stay away from certain relationships in order to have a healthy marriage relationship. Right? He's like, you guys need to stay away from certain things so that your marriage relationship can be right, so it can be healthy, it can be what God has designed for it to be. And so he's like, don't do this, don't do that. Make sure you're doing this, make sure you're doing that. Treat each other this way and that way. 
And so he kind of lays that out for him. He also, in this book, he lays out this idea. He's like, listen, you guys need to pursue honesty. You don't need to be trying to lie to everybody and manipulate everybody and coerce everybody and do all this stuff. He's like, honestly, you need to value and pursue honesty. And he does this with like other basic things that we would be like, well, yeah, obviously they need to do that. But it wasn't that obvious to the people at Ephesus at this time. It was a corrupt area. It was, it was crazy and immoral and all these things. And so he's essentially saying, listen, stay away from these things and your life will be better. But then towards the end of chapter 5, he gets a little more specific. Right? At the end of chapter 5, it's like people are asking Paul. They're saying, Paul, how? how? How can I pursue this marriage relationship that you're talking about when I'm in a culture that doesn't celebrate faithfulness? It doesn't reward that. So why, how and why could this happen? And he's like, how in a culture that works off of bribes and stealing and killing and manipulating all this, how should I pursue honesty? How does that even work? How in a culture where nobody values the things that you just asked us to do, how do we pull that off? You know, that's sort of the conversation that's taking place here in Ephesians and that Paul is addressing to these people. And so in the verses that we're going to look at, it's as if Paul is saying this. It's as if he's saying, hey guys, listen, here's what you need to do to avoid rolling your car off the side of the bridge. He's saying, guys, here's what you need to do in order to keep your car from falling into the ditch on either side of the road. Here's what you need to do to protect yourself, to stay between the lines, to stay on the straight and narrow, to stay on the road that God has called you to. And so we're going to pick it up in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. And it starts off like this. It says, be very careful then. He says, be very careful. The reason he says then is because this is after, this follows a list of all these things that I was just talking to you about. All these things that Christians ought to do and how they, ought to, how, how they should live their life and the things they should pursue and all of this. And so he comes to them and he says, listen, be very careful then how you live. Be very careful how you live. The Greek word here for live literally means the walk. It means to walk. So when Paul says, be very careful then how you live, how you walk, how you walk the walk of life, how you go through this journey, be very, very careful. He's saying as you live your life, as you walk through relationships, as you walk through the process of receiving money, saving money, spending money, dealing with money, as you walk through life with people, as you're dealing with marriage or engagement or dating relationships or whatever, he's saying, listen, be very careful how you live. He says, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. He says, listen, guys, pay attention to what you're doing. Open your eyes. Pay attention to how you're living your life. Don't just skate through and, oh, it'll all work out. He's saying, no, man, listen, pay attention then how you live. Not as unwise, unwise meaning careless, meaning you could care less. You're just going through whatever. Whatever happens, happens, man. I'm just skating through, doing my thing. A very, like, big Lebowski approach to life. He's like, don't walk through life as the unwise, but as wise. Which literally means with your eyes wide open. Looking around for different opportunities. Looking around for what God is doing in, through, and around you. And he says, making the most of every opportunity. That literally translates as redeeming your time. In modern day culture, that would mean be intentional with what you do. Be intentional 
with who you are. Be intentional with how you approach things and live your life. He says, listen, be careful. Don't be careless. Don't be a fool. Pay attention to how you're living your life. Pay attention to how you walk. Pay attention to what you do with your time. And then in verse 16, he says, because the days are evil. He says, listen, guys, you got to wake up. There's a crazy world around you. You need to pay attention to how you're living your life. You need to pay attention to what you're doing with yourself. You need to pay attention to what you're involving yourself with. You need to pay attention with how you're spending your time. You need to pay attention to what you're doing and be intentional with it. He says, you guys are in dangerous times. And this was like 2,000 years ago. You know, we think our life is crazy. And um, Does this kind of resonate some bells with us a little bit? They're in crazy times, man. It's nuts. He says, listen, you've got to be careful. If you're not careful, you'll roll your car. If you're not careful, you'll get stranded in a ditch on the side of the road. If you're not careful, if you don't pay attention and think, oh, it'll all just work out, yeah, whatever. If you're not careful, there will be a price to pay because the days are evil, man. Things are crazy. It's crazy out there. And he's saying, y'all got to be careful when you approach this stuff. And he says this in verse 17. He says, therefore, which here's his first command. He says, don't be foolish. In other words, guys, don't be dumb, Right? He says, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is in Ephesians 5.17. He says, don't be dumb, but understand what the Lord's will is. And what's interesting here is the way that he uses the word understand. He uses it as a command. He doesn't use it as like a question. It's not like, do you understand? Right? It's not his approach. It's a command. Which when you think of it that way, it's a little interesting because I think back to like at school did you guys ever get asked to come up to the board and solve a math problem in front of the whole class? Anyone? Was that literally the, one of the worst experiences of your life? Because, I mean, I love math, and I was like, <laughs> right, it was like terrifying. And like, it would be like someone, a teacher, looking at a student who's at the board, rather than saying, do you understand? Do you need help? It'd be like, understand, understand, understand. You're, you're like, what, what, how, well, you wouldn't use that word in that context, but Essentially what Paul's saying here, and as if a teacher was standing next to the person at the board, they would be saying, come on, man, you know how to do this. You got it. You know what this is. You know what, how to do this problem. I've seen you do it. I know you. We've talked about this. Understand. Wake up to it. Do what you know how to do. That's essentially what Paul is saying here. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Essentially, he's saying, guys, wake up. Face up to it, accept it, embrace God's plan for your life. You know what it is. You know what it is. He's like, quit playing around. Quit messing around. Quit dancing with this other stuff and getting preoccupied and distracted and pointing this direction. He says, understand what God's will is. Do what you know you're supposed to be doing as it relates to your money, as it relates to your marriage, as it relates to your dating, as it relates to your friendships, as it relates to spending your time. Essentially, he's saying, listen, guys, I want you to stop deceiving yourselves. I want you to stop deceiving yourselves, stop playing games, stop smoothing it over and justifying it to yourself. Oh, well, I can do this for now because it's just for now. Later, I'll make a change. Later, I'll get serious. Later, I'll make boundaries. Later, I'll make guidelines. Later, I'll jump on the bandwagon. Later, I'll do this. And he says, no, 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 no. Stop messing around, man. It's crazy out there. And you're playing with fire. He's like, I don't need to chill out with all that. And you need to get on the level that God has called you to. It's almost like a gut punch. I feel like it was almost like a gut punch for 
the Ephesians, and I feel like it's kind of a gut punch for us, too, because if we're being honest, we like to play as close to the edge as we can, right? If we're being honest, some of us, not so much. Some of us are, are like rule followers, and that's awesome, and the world needs rule followers. But for the mass majority of us, myself included, <laughs> we're not as good at following the rules all the time, right? And so many of us, I feel like, we play close to the edge, right on the cusp of disaster. Without creating any real harm, we just get as, as far as we, we think is, is relatively safe. And we're dancing around that idea with our dating, right? And our dating relationships. How far and how close and how, you know, where's the line? The line's kind of moving depending on, you know, what you're doing and where you're at. But how close can I get to the, to the edge of that line? How close can I get to, in our finances, hello, and our finances, we are towing the line of disaster paycheck after paycheck. How close can we get to this thing? How close can we get? We're not like in total destruction and devastation, but man, I tell you, we are right there. We are right there. We live our lives like this in many different areas, morally, ethically, professionally. What can I do at work and get away with? Like, how close to the edge can I get where it's still kind of okay, it's kind of a gray area, but I don't think my boss will notice. I don't think I'll really get fired for this, but, you know, probably not. And Paul's like, guys, understand what God's will is for you. Chase after God's best. Don't live towing the line. Don't mess around with this stuff, man. The world's crazy. Life is crazy. Things happen. You need to be prepared. You need to set up some boundaries and some guidelines. He's like, listen, stop flirting with the real danger and disaster. Stop getting as close as you can to where you're living so expended and stretched financially that if a tire blows, your whole world falls apart. He's like, don't do that. Because guess what? Your tire's going to blow. It's going to happen. Same thing relationally. Same thing, you know, morally. Oh, don't toe the line because the world's crazy. Things happen. And when they do, don't let it topple the whole thing down. Be prepared. Live wise, not unwise. And so then in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, there's this passage. It's in just a continuous of thought. You know, we started in 15, hit 16, hit 17, now in 18. This passage is taken out of context all the time. It's crazy how much this passage is misused and everything else. But essentially what Paul is doing is here is he's elevating an example of exactly what he's talking about. He's saying, here's an example of a guardrail that can, that can really help you out. This is an example. It, ha, it, you know, it, it has to do with what he uses as the, as the object of the example, but that's not what it's about. It's an example that applies to all areas of life. He's saying, here's an example of what's going on. And so in Ephesians chapter 5, 18, he says this. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. People look at this and they're like, oh yeah, see, alcohol sends you straight to hell by God. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. That corona's got you on a highway to hell. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Listen, that's not what Paul is saying here. That's not what he's trying to communicate to the church in Ephesus. This whole section and portion of the letter is about guardrails. It's about boundaries. And so he takes something that's super common, drinking wine, and he's like, let me just paint a picture of what I'm talking about here. Let me just kind of lay out what I mean when I say 
that you don't need to be you need to be wise and not foolish and you need to be wide awake and you need to understand what God's best and God's will is for your life. And so he gives this example of drinking alcohol. And he's saying, "Listen, basically listen. You need to set a personal standard of behavior that you decide that you're not going to get drunk." You know what he's saying? Here's a guardrail. Here's a guardrail for you. Is alcohol straight from the devil and evil and going to send you straight to hell? No. But here's a guardrail. Because you know what it can do? It can do some really gnarly stuff. And so here's a guardrail. Don't get drunk. Paul's saying, don't approach alcohol this way. He argues that getting drunk is foolish and irresponsible. He says that when you get, he's saying essentially that you need to decide that this is a personal standard for you as a Christ follower. Hey, all these people around you are doing all this stuff. All these people around you, the culture, all this stuff is happening. Listen, here's a guardrail for you. Don't get drunk. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. You guys know what debauchery is? Debauchery is an extreme indulgence that results in loss of control. Right? It's handing over control to something else. And so he's saying, listen. With alcohol, here's the thing. Don't get drunk. Don't relinquish control of yourself and your behavior and your thoughts and your judgment to alcohol. Set a guardrail there. Because when you start to relinquish your thoughts and your behavior and all this stuff, control to that, it becomes a problem. A big problem. That's a danger zone. That's driving off the bridge. That's rolling down the mountain. That's colliding into oncoming traffic. That's the danger zone. What's the guardrail? Don't be drunk with wine. Don't let it get there. Take three steps, four steps in from the danger zone and don't even allow yourself to go there is essentially what Paul is saying here. He's saying debauchery is the big problem. Not necessarily the alcohol. It's the debauchery that's the problem. It's relinquishing control of yourself to something. Whether it be lust or alcohol or greed or anger or food Hello. Hello. (laughs) Or material possessions. He's saying that's the problem. You need to establish some guardrails. You need to step up, step back two or three feet from that and reevaluate the situation. That's what Paul's saying here. He's saying do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, he gives a contrast here. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Instead, allow the Spirit to guard your heart and guide your steps. So in, in contrast to the earlier idea that the world's trying to guard you, take you in all these different directions and try to make you fall off and do all this stuff, he's saying, no, listen, allow the Holy Spirit to guide and direct you. Because when you do that and you've established these personal standards of behavior, the matter of conscience will kick in when you get close to those and begin to bump up to those. And the Holy Spirit inside you will be like, uh-uh, bad idea. Uh-uh, that's not okay. Uh-uh, you need to back up a little bit. Uh-uh, stay in the middle. Let's do this thing. He's saying rather than not establishing guardrails and going wherever, he's saying establish guardrails and allow the Spirit to lead, guide, and direct you. Because the Holy Spirit becomes like the megaphone of your conscience, right? It like speaks up and it's like, Danger, Will Robinson, danger, right? Back up, back up. Whoa, don't get in the car with her. Chill out, bad idea. Hey, that conversation was a little iffy. You probably don't need to do that. Probably don't need to say that. Probably need to stay away from the water cooler at this time of the day. 
hey, you probably don't need to spend your money that way. You probably don't need to commit to those dollars every month. Chill out. Right? And that's why Paul says, come on, man, face up to it. He says, face up to it. You know better. You know better. So do better. Be better. Be proactive in this stuff. Quit playing games and, and creating excuses and, 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 and filling your brain with all these ideas. Oh, yeah, it'll be all right. It'll all work out. It'll be cool, you know, whatever. He's saying, no, man, listen, life is too important. And our time is too short and the world is too dangerous. You need to pay attention. You need to be careful. Because the reality is this. None of us plan to mess up our lives. <laughs> you know? None of us plan to do that. I went to a wedding yesterday, and it was beautiful, and they were so in love, and just the way they looked at each other, they were like goo-goo eyes, like, ah, ah, it's like it's, their brains were mush. They were so into each other, you know? It was disgusting. I'm just kidding. But it was, it was beautiful, man. And so you go to these weddings, and, and you think, you know, nobody enters a marriage thinking, man, I can't wait to really screw this thing up, you know? When we get divorced, it is going to be a bing, bang, boom. People are, everybody's going to be talking about it. It's going to be so terrible. Cannot wait. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to betray this person. I can't wait to take this person that I'm goo-goo eyes about and make them totally hate me. It's going to be awesome. Nobody plans to destroy a marriage. But here's the deal. Too many people are not proactive to prevent that. Do you hear me? Too many of us are not proactive to prevent that from happening. We don't establish guardrails and boundaries and things that we need to put in place to protect that. Nobody enters in to a new career saying, man, I can't wait to lie, cheat, and steal, and manipulate, and screw this whole thing up. It's going to be awesome. Nobody approaches jobs that way and careers like that and following our dreams like that. Nobody thinks that way. Nobody plans to cross the line that then wrecks their career and their life. Nobody sets out with that intention and with that plan, but too many people are not proactive to prevent that. Too many people don't make plans ahead of time to prevent that from happening. In relationships, we don't enter into relationships thinking, man, I can't wait to hurt this other person. Man, I can't wait to break their heart. Man, I can't wait to really hurt my mom's feelings. You know, I can't wait to really just destroy my friend and really screw them up with my, my emotional games I'm going to play with them. It's going to be awesome. Nobody enters into those situations like that with our siblings, whatever. It's not that we plan to do that. It's just that we're not proactive in preventing that. We haven't established guardrails and borders and boundaries to help guide us in those situations. Nobody approaches alcohol saying, man, I can't wait for this to destroy my life. Sticking with the example that Paul uses. Nobody approaches alcohol saying, man, I can't wait until I'm completely addicted to this and it takes all my money and it takes my family and it takes everything from me. That's going to be the greatest thing ever. Give me another Miller Lite, please. Nobody approaches it that way. But people are not proactive to prevent that from happening. Too many of us are not proactive to prevent those things. We need to establish guardrails. That's what this whole series is about. We need to establish boundaries and guardrails. And so my challenge is that as we explore the idea of guardrails together over the next couple of weeks, that you guys get real with yourselves. We get honest with ourselves. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm not talking about, you know, the painted yellow lines on the side of the road. Okay? 
Those are not guardrails, you know, where it says, uh, you know what a yellow line on the side of the road is in contrast to a guardrail? A yellow line on the side of the road is drink responsibly. Drink responsibly. Guys, that's not a guardrail. That's a yellow line on the side of the road that you pass right over before you realize you did it. When do you make the decision in the night or the weekend where you say, well, that last one was responsible, but now this one's irresponsible. There's no line there. And that line moves depending on what you want and where you are and what you're doing. That's a yellow line. We need to establish guardrails. You know what another yellow line is? Wait till you're ready to have sex. When are you ready to have sex? You know? When you're ready to have sex, when you're sitting in the room with your mom talking about it, is different than when you're ready to have sex on a weekend on a date. Can I get an amen? Don't, don't give me an amen on that. That'd be weird. That'd be weird. But you know what I'm saying? That's a yellow line. That's not a guardrail. You know, here's another yellow line. Talk to your kids about drugs. That's not a guardrail. That's a conversation. We need to get real with ourselves and set up some serious boundaries and some serious guardrails that can help guide us. And guys, listen, please don't be dumb. Please don't be dumb. I think that's kind of what Paul was getting at here. Don't be foolish. Don't be dumb. Don't be unwise. Don't think, oh, well, God's going to protect me. I'll just keep following Jesus, and he'll take care of it. No, you know how he takes care of it? By sending weird guys like me to say, hey, set up guardrails. Don't be dumb. Right? This is something that we all need to put into practice. And so here's, what I land. here's where I want to land today as we begin to sort of move forward in this series. As I was talking today, some things for you came to mind right away, for many of you. Some things came to mind where you were like, oh man, you know what? Yeah, I, I could really stand to set up some boundaries there. Or I could really stand to move some of my boundaries a little tighter in this area or that area. Maybe it's an area in your life where you're kind of dancing really, really close to the edge. Maybe for some of you it is the alcohol thing that Paul was talking about. For some of you, maybe that's not an issue at all. Maybe for some of you, it's the marriage thing. It's your marriage relationship. You're like, man, we should probably put some more parameters and some more guidelines and some more boundaries in this so that we can make this a healthy relationship and move it forward to where we want it to be and where we need it to be. Maybe for many of us, it's our finances, that we're dancing real close to the edge there's no guardrails. There's no boundaries. There's no, you know, two or three feet of margin next to the road. You are right next to the edge of the cliff going 60 miles an hour. Full steam ahead, paycheck to paycheck. And so maybe for you it's, it's that. Or maybe for you it's something, you know, that I didn't even mention this morning. But you know. You know. You know where you're at. You know how you're living. You know the decisions you're making. You know. I don't know, but you know. I know for me. And so my challenge for all of us this morning, myself included, my challenge for all of us at the onset of this series is to back up about two or three feet from the danger zone and establish a guardrail. Back up two or three feet and say, wait a second, what relationships do I need to put some parameters on? What relationships do I need to let go of effective immediately so that my other relationships can be healthy? so that my other relationships can operate the way they need to? What spending do I need to cut immediately from my life to free up a couple of feet from the danger zone so that I can establish a guardrail? So that when I crash, I crash into a guardrail rather than crashing off the side of a cliff. Whatever area of life that it is for you, my challenge for you today is to establish some guardrails. Whatever comes to mind, that's where God wants you to start now.
Some of you, you don't need to wait for the rest of this series for me to like inspire you and encourage you and, hey, do this, hey, do that. You already know. Some of you, you need to start right now. When these guys sing this song, you need to bust out your phone and be like, hey, bro, listen, we can't hang out anymore. I mean, I think you're great and everything, but let's be real. My marriage is suffering because I'm hanging out with you too much. It's got to go. Some of you need to get on the phone. You need to cancel whatever subscription you're subscribed to, the 300 of them. Say, you know what? No. Oh, but it's only 10 bucks. 10, 10 bucks times 300 is a lot of money. And we need to get on our phone. All right, man, I got to get this straight, man. I got to get this together. I got to set some boundaries. I got to set some guardrails. I got to back up on this stuff. You know where you need a personal standard of behavior. And you need to establish it so it becomes a matter of conscience. It becomes a matter of when you bump into it, you say, whoa, 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 hit the brakes. You bump into it, whoa, 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 I can't go there. You bump into it, you say, whoa, 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 not the right move, not the right direction that I want to go. Because here's the deal. In all the scripture that I've read, maybe you've read something that I haven't, but in all the scripture that I've read and all of my personal experience, I have never met someone that regretted setting up healthy boundaries. I've never met someone that was like, man, I really wish I would have just spent more money and been more irresponsible and destroyed more relationships. That would have been awesome. That's not the case. But so often, people regret not establishing boundaries, not establishing guardrails. And then we see it on the other side and we're like, ah, oh, if only I would have, ah, oh, if only, if only. Don't let that be us. Let's be proactive to bring positive change. Does that make sense? And so as the band leads us in another song, I want to give you guys an opportunity to sort of mull this over. I want to give you an opportunity to kind of examine your life and say, where do I need to make some changes? Where do I need to sort of grow in this? Where do I need to sort of back up and establish some guardrails and some boundaries in my life? Not living unwise, but living wise, making the most of our time, being intentional with what we do and who we are and where we're headed. So let's pray together. God. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.